This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. The snow came down hard yesterday as Denverites trudged to the ballot box to vote for their first new mayor in 12 years. Or they sat cozy at home knowing their mail-in ballot had long been counted. So who's going to the runoff? What's city council going to look like? And of course, what is the fate of the Park Hill Golf Course? We're talking through all the latest results as of midnight last night. Today is Wednesday, April 5th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul. Good evening, Bree. Good evening is correct. We are recording this uh, moments before midnight on election night. We just got the last results of the night in from the clerk and recorder. So this is as much as we can know here at the end of election night. We will be talking about this more over the course of the next few weeks. Of course, in the next two months, as the top two mayoral uh, vote getters get uh, to now move on to the runoff uh, June 6th. So this story is not over yet. Shout out to the clerk and recorder's office. I know that is a that is a heavy lift. That is an arduous task. And they are just so awesome. They're doing they are doing the Lord's work for us. So thank you guys so much for staying up even later than we are going to be. But Paul, OK, so just really quick before we get into the results uh, as as they are. Uh, before midnight on election night here. What is at stake in this election? Well, this is a huge one, Bree, um, because it's the first time in 12 years we're going to have a new mayor. Um, but, you know, spoiler alert, none of the 16 candidates did achieve uh, 50% of the vote. So we are going to go to a runoff. So the top two vote getters tonight are going to continue to campaign for another two months leading up to June 6th, when we'll do this all over again. So, okay, before we get to the results on the mayor's race, we're going to talk quickly about um, the referred questions. So we had 2M and 2N, which were both around zoning, which we know uh, in the last couple of years has become a really hot topic around how Denver grows, how our built environment grows, and what Denver is going to look like now and in the future. So 2M was to remove language in the city's charter that was related to this board of adjustments, which is basically this board that you have to go in front of if you want to make a major change to your own property. Um, And you would need to get um, approval from this board. This board has been in question as to if it's like fair. And uh, so this amendment would, would change the way that that board works and who is on that board. And hopefully I think speed up some of the processes around things like if you want to build a granny flat or an accessory dwelling unit for your mother, you know, to live on your property or whatever. Um, and how, how did 2M do, Paul? Uh, the people of Denver said yes to this one big time. Uh, this is going to pass with about 73% of the vote. Nice. 
Okay. And then 2N was also uh, zoning related. This was more around who could have a say. Yeah, that's right, Breed. This is the one that would change who gets to protest rezoning requests. It would change it from just folks who live close to the property in question to only property owners in Denver. Not just people who live close, but happen to live on the other side of a border in Glendale or, say, Lakewood. And this one passed as well. Um, Not by quite as large a margin as 2M, but pretty significant still, about 68%. And I think it's important to point out there was like no opposition to this. There was like no opposing Mm -hmm. campaigns. So, But Mm -hmm. if we want to get into uh, the issue on this ballot that did have a very strong opposition, that was uh, 2-0, which involved... Um, our favorite topic, the Park Hill Golf Course. <sighs> Paul, can you explain this? Do you want to? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, it's been a story, like you said, it's been brewing in the city for a few years now. Um, the question is what to do with this old golf course that hasn't been op- in operation for a long time. Um, the developers bought it a few years ago, got a sweetheart deal, paid $24 million for 155 acres in the middle of the city. And... Uh, what they had to do through a series of fights, debates, squabbles with the neighborhood and the community is go to the voters um, to get their plan approved. And that took the form of this question about a conservation easement on that land. And just like voters did uh, back in 2021, when this issue was on the ballot, then they said no to the developers. Um, Again, pretty sizable margin It's going to be a no with about 60.18% of the vote. So the developers are now back in a a pickle. What do you do with this land? The people don't want you to build this mix of park and housing, and you can't do anything else except build a golf course. So I I looked at a tweet from uh, our friend uh, Andy Kenny from CPR. He's at the Yes on 2-0 campaign's uh, election night uh, party. I don't know where they're doing it, but he's there and he got a comment from the um, the developers and they say the land will return to a privately owned regulation length 18 hole golf course. The site will immediately be closed to public use or access with no housing, community grocery store or public parks allowed on site. So they're they're pretty sour about it. They're pretty disappointed about it. And they say they're going to I don't know. It sounds like a spite golf course. Yeah. So if you want to go spite golfing <laughs> in, a, in a few years, Denver is going to be your your spot. Oh, this was a wild ride. We we were on this ride, like you said, since 2021. Voters had already voted on this once, said no to those developers once, said no again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is a, an interesting case study for how cities grow, but also how we deal with land and what it costs and where mm-hmm. you know i mean it's like so many layers but it's it ultimately no well i don't know i don't know if this is the end you don't? i don't know if this is ultimately no i don't think so I, especially if based on who's going to be in the mayoral yeah. runoff i think we're going to have a real conversation about what maybe a better deal would look like that the people would say yes to because after all this has just been a negotiation interesting That's my take, at least. We will keep watching this as we have been for the last three years. And I think it will be something that um, I think our show would definitely like to ask uh, whoever ends up being mayor after that June runoff election. It'll be something we'll be talking about for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we get into the other, the actual races on this ballot, uh, we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Okay, we're back. We're we're still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Election night. Uh, you will be listening to this the morning after. Um, but as of midnight, election night, this is the what the results were. We're going to run through a couple of the uh, races that were either unopposed or there was just like just no contest. Um, clerk and recorder. Paul Lopez ran unopposed. So he will be our clerk again. Uh, auditor. Uh, he was the incumbent. This was a race between mm-hmm. uh, Tim O'Brien and Eric Clark. And Tim O'Brien, the incumbent, won. Um, let's get into city council. So yeah, here's where it starts getting fun. So for city council, we're just going to run through quickly um, all of the incumbents that held their seats um, or ran unopposed. District one, Amanda Sandoval. Uh, District two, Kevin Flynn. District three, Jamie Torres. District five, Amanda Sawyer. District six, Paul Cashman, and District eleven, Stacy Gilmore. They will all be retaining and staying where staying where they are. But we still have quite a few that were really. Really interesting races. Um, Paul, how did District 4 play out? So District 4, it looks like Diana Romero-Campbell came out on top of Tony Pickford. And this was uh, Councilwoman Kendra Black's seat, and she um, stepped down. Mm -hmm. She was just done after two terms. And that's down in uh, southeast, down in the southeast part of the city. Yes, yeah, Southmore Mm -hmm. Park around uh, Hampton and I-25. Okay, so D7, similar... uh, Similar situation here. Jolon Clark also stepped down after two terms. Uh, Paul, how did uh, District 7 play out? Well, this was a much more wide open race. I think there were about five, five, maybe six candidates. Um, but the winner of the most votes was Flora Alvidrez. Um, and she's going to go to a runoff against Adam Estroff, which should be very interesting because those two have very opposing ideas about uh, the housing crisis. Estroff, the former president of Yimby Denver, one of the big like density more transit kind of uh, people, kind of more of uh, in the mold of uh, Governor Polis. Whereas Flora Alvidrez, uh, when she and I talked last year about her campaign, she um, she said she feels very differently about that. I would love to. I would love to hear from both of them. Yeah, and she's interesting. She's a builder. She's a contractor. So she knows firsthand costs and all kinds of things related to how we get that housing built. So that's going to be an interesting housing convo. Yeah. I guess I should also say that there is um, another candidate who is still in the picture, only down by about 50 votes from Estroff. So it could end up being Nick Campion in the runoff. Um, I'm not that familiar with Nick Campion, so I, I think I'm going to have to do some research if he does end up making it in. Uh, OK, District 8 was... Uh, Chris Herndon, he's termed out. He was done. So this was uh, brand new candidates. Uh, I think we're also facing a runoff here too, right, Paul? Yep. It looks like it's Brad Rivar. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Brad. Um, he's going to face Chantel Lewis in the runoff. They were neck and neck in this one, but Rivara did have slightly more votes. Um, okay. Oh, District 9. This one surprised me the most for sure. Uh, incumbent Candy Say the Baca is uh, facing a runoff. 
with uh, Daryl Watson. Yep. So this was a three-way race. There was another candidate, Quan Atlas, who got about 11% of the vote. Neither Daryl nor Candy got to 50%. Daryl was a little bit closer. He was just shy of winning the 50% and avoiding a runoff, but they're going to they're gonna keep duking it out until June 6th. Wow. Okay. That's a race to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have to say I was a little bit surprised here too. I know District 10 had quite a few candidates, but uh, incumbent Chris Hines is going to go into a runoff against Noah Kaplan. Well, I mean, Chris Hines, it's interesting that he didn't avoid the runoff because he Remember, he got national news stories about him about a couple oh. months ago at that debate where they didn't yes. have um, any ADA accessibility and he had to crawl onto stage. And it was, yes. I don't know, I thought I thought he was going to win again. But maybe the people of this new district, which is, it's Capitol Hill, but it now also is going to include downtown. Um, formerly, yeah. it included the Cherry Creek area, but now it's more about downtown Capitol Hill. Um, I guess they... They were not all uh, over the moon about Chris Hines. Yeah, and I mean, it's really interesting with these district races because this really, really comes down to a couple votes sometimes. Like we're looking, Chris Hines, uh, we're looking at the numbers right now. He's just shy of 4,000. But Shannon Hoffman and Noah Kaplan were not that far off. They were just a couple hundred votes difference. So That was a tight one. Yeah, that was a really tight one. So we'll be seeing that one in the runoff. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, of course, we have to talk about uh, the at-large race, which is was ton of candidates but also you got to choose two so where where did we end up with because oh i i do want to say though because uh debbie ortega who was at large termed out and then she uh jumped over to the mayor's race and then robin Kanich also termed out so these at large seats were wide open mm-hmm. so there were nine candidates in this at large race again voters got to choose two how did this one uh bear out paul super super close between the top four candidates they were all within about four thousand votes but the clear winner at least based on the results we have tonight is serena gonzalez gutierrez who has been a state lawmaker for the last few years and is i mean as close as you can get to denver royalty she's the the granddaughter of corky gonzalez the famous civil rights leader also interesting about her she was endorsed by Yimby Denver. So she has that combination of being really deeply rooted, but also is on board with this new way of thinking about housing that's so popular with Colorado's nerd dads. <laughs> no, but I would agree. I think Serena's been one to watch for a long time. Um, I thought it was mm-hmm. cool that she stepped out of the state sphere and moved into the municipal elections. Um, along with Serena, who is uh, who's our other at-large? Well... I think this is a storyline of the night. I think Penfield Tate is one of the big winners here. He has, for years, led the campaign against the development of the Park Hill Golf Course. He lost the mayor's race back in 2019. But I think voters are on board for Penfield's vision of the future, where there's this big, open, defunct golf course of open space. And he is one of our at-large city council members. Congratulations, Penfield. Well, I think Penfield will have to answer to that conversation about 2-0 for sure. I mean, I think it's not just something that's going to go away. But I will say working on the campaign trail last election on the mayor's race, um, Penfield was one of the coolest and nicest of our competitors in that race. And I don't know. He's got cool Colorado dad vibes. He does. He, you know, gets me every time. (laughs) I'm like, sure. No, he was great. I'd love to have him back on the show, too. Well, anyway, let's get to the... Let's get to what everybody wants to know. The big one. (laughs) The big one. So the mayor's race. Again, mayoral madness. We have covered this. 
we we inter- we tried to interview everybody that was on this ballot, mm-hmm. which again came down to 16, formerly 17 folks. 16 people had to split this vote. We knew it was going to go to a runoff anyway because you have to get over 50% of the votes uh, in the mayor's race here in Denver to win. Nobody did. But Paul, where are we? What happened? What did that look like? Well, we'll be digging into this quite a bit. Uh, I think as the weeks go on, because the implications of tonight's vote are going to be, well, we're going to need to parse these uh, ahead of the runoff. It was not that close in the end. There were two clear favorites. I think it's pretty safe to say. We've got Mike Johnston, who got 26,779 votes, the most by quite a bit, 24%. Um, People said yes. People said yes to Mike. And then number two, I predicted it a few weeks ago. Kelly Bruff, here she is in the runoff with 22% of the vote. Number three was Lisa Calderon, about 8,000 votes back. So I guess she does have a real long shot chance if the remaining votes that haven't been counted are really, really skewed in her favor. It could end up being Lisa in the runoff, but I think that's a real stretch. And then Andy Rougeau did end up Having quite a strong showing, clearly got the Republicans consolidated. Or maybe this is a slightly more conservative electorate this time around. I'm not sure. Bree, what do you think? What do you make of this? Oh, my God. I have so many theories. First of all, I just want to point out most of us that were making predictions on this did not have Andy anywhere near the top. Mm -hmm. And boy, where we served our lunch and we were wrong for sure. Mm -hmm. He got what did he get? 13, almost 14,000 votes. I mean, you could you could sandwich a bunch of the progressive candidates together and they still didn't hit that mark. So that says something. Um, I mean, on its face, to me, what it says is uh, there was this. No, I'm not going to get into it. I'll just say I'm not going to get into it. Give us something. <laughs> I mean, I would just say I think it's not a matter of Democrat or Republican. It's actually about the issues And the issue here that he really campaigned hard on was enforcing the camping ban. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess all I would say is like, I think that Andy tapped into what I would call a a, not a silent majority, but definitely um, voters who believe in upholding the camping ban. It made me think back to 2019 when we voted on uh, Initiative 300, which was the right to survive, which essentially was an attempt to repeal the camping ban. And I, you know, I'm on that uh, listeners, listeners of the show. No, I, I really have been open about, I think that that's important to repeal the camping ban. But in 2019, over 80% of Denver voters said no to that. So to me, Andy's just speaking to that uh, issue directly. And some folks like what he was saying. But what about Johnston and uh, Bruff? These are our two our two front runners. One of those two will be mayor. Yeah, I guess I didn't see it as much in Bruff's campaign, but I definitely saw it in Mike's where he didn't address the camping ban directly, which I honestly think was a smart move politically. He addressed homelessness. He addressed housing insecurity. He addressed housing shortage. He addressed uh, his support for other forms other than shelters of how we you know, how we fix our housing situation. But he never, he didn't campaign on I will repeal or I will enforce. And so I think that that probably made some folks a little bit more comfortable. But I think what it comes down to is that camping ban question, we wanted, some of us wanted it to be a binary choice. It was not a binary choice. And it was not the way you were going to get votes 
you, uh, simply. You know what I mean? I saw that on a lot of mm-hmm. debates. Would you or would you not repeal the camping ban? And it really put people in a weird position because they may not love enforcing the camping ban. But also, I think Andy's tapping into the thought that some people have, which is, well, if you repeal the camping ban, all hell's going to break loose, right? And yeah. that's what, what folks are afraid of. I don't agree with that perspective. I just think that's where I think some voters were coming from. And I think he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Whereas Johnston was much more like solutions focused. Although I, I think Kelly Bruff was too, although she was maybe a little bit closer to Andy on the, the rhetoric around the camping ban. But she wasn't a hardliner on it and neither was Mike. No, she and didn't I focus think... on it. I think that's really on point what you said there about not focusing on it, making it about something else. Yeah. But like the bigger picture, you know, like how do we deal with our problems versus like I'm doing this or I'm not doing this. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'd love to ask Andy ourselves. Andy, if you're listening and you still want to come on the show, we'd love to talk yeah, to you. Sure. We, we weren't able to we'll still talk. I'd but, still love to hear from him. I mean, I, I just I really think it's a little bit we need to be uh, um, um, we need to make an astute observation here, which is many of us, myself included, did not see that coming. So hmm. Interesting, interesting, uh, interesting night. Um, I wouldn't say my favorite election night, but then I think every election night is a little bit nerve wracking like this. So we still have more to go. Uh, June 6th is the runoff. So we will see Mike Johnson and Kelly Bruff. We'll see a couple of these uh, council races as well. So, you know, we're going to be following up on that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. In the meantime, how are you feeling about all this, Paul? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. This is an exciting thing. It's fun. uh, It's always fun on election night. It is fun. I do enjoy waiting for the results to see what happens. But now I hate to be the guy that says now the real work begins, but I will be very interested to see what the narrative around Denver is as we go into this new, this quote, new era with them, a new, a new mayor and a very different looking city council. Well, Paul, um, I don't know about you, but I would love to go to bed because (laughs) we have to get up in the morning and make another show go but, back to uh, bed for me i know you yeah, you took a little nap you're so smart um yeah anyway we would love to hear your thoughts on how this played out if anything surprised you if there was anything you were secretly holding like thinking i knew this was going to happen and then it did or if something about the mayor's race surprised you or if there's something you want to ask these candidates that are going to be in the runoff give us a call our uh, always open election denver election hotline uh 720-500-5418 again our number is 720-500-5418 that's all for today here on citycast denver if you enjoyed the show why not take a minute to tell mayor michael hancock about us Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. <laughs> tell tell Sue to be more May, former Mayor Hancock. <laughs> I'm sure he's well aware of us, but you know, 